When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This one had been in the offing for a while because instead of going the path of how the Warriors won the title, I wanted to do a podcast on the significance of it to the region, and I always had two guests targeted for this, and this was the first time that I had the opportunity to get both of them on on the line at the same time. And those two guests are Marcus Thompson, who's a longtime columnist for the Bay Area News Group, grew up in the area, and Adam Wardson, who is the Golden State Fast Break blogger for the San Jose Mercury News. He's also a longtime season ticket holder. So they bridge a couple of gaps in terms of connections with this team. And so I thought they would be a great group to talk about it. That conversation runs for about 30 minutes. And then Marcus actually had to head out. And so I talked to Adam for about five minutes on the direction of the team, more specifically the David Lee news that came out about an hour before we recorded this podcast. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Sure. So I wanted to talk with the two of you about the importance of this, and I guess I'll start with Marcus. More than really them winning it, what do you think this meant to the Bay Area in kind of a larger sense? Well, in a larger sense, you know, it it kind of represented a, I guess the, the payoff. The area has been so loyal to the Warriors and, you know, have endured so many losing seasons that this was like, you know, this made it worth, worth it all. And, you know, this is really a basketball area. Uh, it's always been a basketball area. Even the way, uh, the tournament is supported when the, when the NCAA tournament comes here, you can see how much this area loves basketball. So to, to have, uh, you know, the beloved sport here, you know, be a champion, I think that I think that was a, a big deal, much in the way the Red Sox winning the World Series was a big deal for Boston. I mean, we've had champions here, so it's not like, you know, we weren't Cleveland in that sense where we were just thirsty for a title. But it was, it was a little extra special because it was the Warriors and it was the Bay Area team, and, and it had been so much suffering and, and waiting to get to this moment. And then Adam, you've been a season ticket holder for a long time. You can give, you can give me the number of years, but that dynamic, I'm sure, has been playing into it as well. That this team has been 
for most of the time during that tenure, they've been not only just like not a contender, but just not even that close. Yeah, we paid for a lot of awful basketball as uh, Warriors season ticket holders through the last few decades. I think the big thing that has been such a shock for me winning this championship or seeing them win the championship is it just goes against uh, the image that Warriors fans kind of had of themselves for the last few decades. We've always been fans who have a team that makes the stupid decision that ends up on the short end of the trade that has the injury at the worst possible time where everything goes wrong. You are traumatized by that after a while. You come to expect it and to have a season where basically everything goes right, where everything falls into place, where you beat uh, really good teams and you end up winning a championship as a Warriors fan, I really just don't know how to process it. And it's something I'm still waking up sort of in disbelief of uh, the parade health that kind of drove it home. But you look at all of the losing and all of the trauma that Warriors fans suffered through. And Marcus is absolutely right. It's a great basketball area. It always has been turned out great players, a really long lineage and history of being a basketball powerhouse to really finally have a team that does that justice is just incredible and really something that I think the community's enjoyed. So Marcus, in the time that you've been covering the team and like you've been covering it well far longer than I have, like when did you consider this even a possibility? Uh, this year and not, not fully uh, all the way this year. Uh, I think it was, Maybe I think maybe January, where I felt like you know they at least had the pieces, you know, and, and then you know by the time they got to the playoffs and had 67 wins, it was clear, you know, that they could win the title. I mean that, that was, it was clear they were one of several teams that could win it. But really, you know, as someone who grew up here and has seen the Warriors fans, you know, months in the way, all kind of opportunities, I still was waiting for, you know, something to happen. I mean. Even though they could win, I was still waiting for an injury, for you know them to not make the shot they needed to make, to give away a series, you know, just just the type of things that the Warriors have done over the years. So even though yeah. I knew they could win the title, uh, you know, I was prepared for something to happen. But when they came back in that Memphis series, that's when I thought they're going to win the title. After they bounced back from that. I, I didn't think anyone else could beat them, but yeah, it definitely didn't. It definitely took a while to get to that point, just because, like like Adam said, stuff always happens wrong for the Warriors. That's just the Warriors' history. Yeah, game game four in Houston was the scary moment for me. That was kind of a classic Warriors moment. You, you get past Memphis, you're up three nothing against Houston. Curry goes up to try to defend a shot that he doesn't even really need to defend lands on his head and his arm, and all of a sudden it just all flashes in front of you. you know, it's a classic Warriors moment. That you I have forgot about a, that. Yeah, you're right. Laid out. <laughs> and I just remember just feeling like a gut punch at that moment, like, yep, it's the Warriors. Yeah, they, they tease you. They look like everything's going to be amazing, but it comes up wrong in the end. But then to have Curry come back out and play that game. Like that game, okay, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, can you imagine, like, him not coming back and having to deal with, you know, wondering for the next, you know, two days or whatever it was. I think him coming back in that game was kind of par for the course on how everything broke right. Like, even even the negatives didn't hurt the Warriors too much, such as Lee getting hurt in, in you know, in uh, preseason. And Clay, too. And Clay, Clay getting kicked in the head. Like, even, even the things that 
usually with Doom, the Warriors didn't. And so Curry coming back, I was like, yeah, there's nobody stopping this team. <laughs> they, they just weren't. But, yeah, I forgot about that. That's a good call. Yeah, when, when, I think even Houston fans felt that. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, yeah. You, one of you, or were both of you in the building? Because I was watching on TV. Yeah, we were yeah, there, I right? was in the building, if you can here. call it that. But yeah, I was all the way up top, though, so I might as well have been in a different state at that building. Because what I was thinking sitting at home was, oh, God, they're going to lose in the finals. And like, cause I, I still, di- I still didn't think, you know, as, as important as Curry is to, was to this team and will be for the foreseeable future, I still thought they wouldn't lose four in a row to this Rockets team, or three in a row if you want to count that game as, as done. And I was kind of thinking about how in some ways that would even be more, more reflective of the Warriors that they make it that far, but nobody gives them a chance to win. If Curry's out, of course. Yeah, I think it, it would have been heartbreaking if that had been what had played out and would have been very fitting for the old Warriors. But, yeah, like Marcus said, even when we thought something was going to go wrong, it seemed to break right all through the season. People talk about the idea of, oh, you know, this team did get lucky. They got lucky, and, and to a point they did. But that happens all the time, and my, my concept on that is that people who talk about an astro, you know, talk about, you know, the, the path, the road only matters for a couple of years, and after that point, everybody forgets who was hurt. I mean, we're, we're gonna reach the point very soon where people forget that the Spurs beat a, a weekend Thunder team on, on their run and things like that, that, you know, that it, yeah, they did face some good fortune, but almost every single championship team does. So who's saying the asterisk stuff besides Cleveland fans? Oh, uh, just, I mean, I, I think you, I think Rockets fans actually said it a little bit too. I mean, Rockets fans. Yeah, and, and they did face good fortune. I mean, every team they faced basically either had a point guard injury, and I mean, very few of those teams that were the best player of their point guard, actually, I would say none of them it was. But you don't very rarely face a full swatch of teams that are healthy. That's just the NBA right now, sadly enough. I mean, look, when, when you win a championship yeah. in any sport, it's so difficult that it requires breaks. I mean, you're telling me Chris Bosch, you know, aren't working all his life to get that one rebound. It just so happened Tim Duncan was out of the game, you know, and Ray Allen steps back and hits the three. That whole heat tenure is different if a ball doesn't bounce a certain way. So, I mean, that, that's the nature of sports. You get breaks and, you know, you, you, you capitalize on them. So I think any talk of asterisks is just, just crazy and, and, people who are uh, a little disappointed that they lost to the Warriors, which is something they probably didn't fathom. Yeah, you know, Dwight, Dwight Howard said that he was a champion after the uh, Game 5 loss uh, and the elimination of the Rockets, and I, I'm happy to put an asterisk on that championship, but otherwise for the Warriors, I don't think they get one. In, in terms of the mentality moving forward, when I've talked with fans, it, it it seems like to them that everything from here on out is gravy, both in terms of your sense of the fan base, but just maybe in terms of your own personal sense. Is that the way that you feel that, you know, even though this team has the potential to be in the mix for a while, is it really all gravy from here? I mean, I, would, I guess I would say it's all gravy, yes, in that, you know, the Warriors are going to be up there. I mean, in in the end, that's that's really all you want as a fan, right? I mean, the Warriors are going to be in a mix. They'll they'll probably lose some, you know. They'll 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 disappoint some, but every single year, especially as long as Curry's there, and especially as long as you know the management uh, continues to make good decisions, they should be in the mix. They have the core pieces for it. Uh, San Antonio don't win every year. They've lost in the first round before. But the point is, every year. 
they're in the mix. There's that hope. And here and there, you know, they, they, they finish the job. So I feel like over a, a five or six year stretch, if the Warriors win two titles, you know, take a first round exit, maybe lose in the West Finals. For me, that's all gravy because that's, that's just the level we just didn't see coming. I mean, when I was in college, I went to school in Atlanta and, you know, I go out there and the first thing I did was hang up my, uh, Latrell Sprewell poster. Remember the landlord campaign? I hung that up and there's a guy from New York who was in my dorm and he was like, Golden State, <laughs> where is that? <laughs> that was his first, his first question was, where is that? He thought it was in LA or something. It's just, just to be, an elite team, to be a team that's numbered amongst the legit contenders. For me, is that that defines the gravy. I don't think they're going to win every title easily. It's not going to be a cakewalk. I doubt if they have a season like they just had again. But they're in the mix. They'll win some, they'll lose some, but in the end, they're up there. Yeah, it's a hard question for me to answer just because, like Marcus said, this is so unbelievable. I have no context to understand what it feels like to go in and try to defend a championship to have a team that's going to be the number one target from day one of the season it's just completely unbelievable but the thing that the players were saying immediately after the championship and my guess is it was part of Kerr's comments and teams immediately after they won is no one can ever take this away from them uh you know they're they're going to be the champions of this season uh for the rest of their lives it's a memory that all Warriors fans are going to get to hold uh, and something we were all a part of. Uh, nothing that happens next is going to take anything away from that. So in that sense, yeah, I think what comes next is gravy. One of the more surprising developments to me, and while I've you know appreciated watching this team for the last couple of years, has also been that they've grown in terms of, you want to call it trendiness or whatever, nationally. And there have, I think, three guys that were in the top 15 in jersey sales from April to June. And the part that's been hard for me to process is this team that I've covered for six years and has been just, they've been entertaining for a lot of that time. I mean, the Monte Steph years were entertaining. The early Jackson years were entertaining in their own way. To see that team be one that isn't, it's not just this little like, you know, like a TV show that you watch and nobody else is into. To have it be the popular mainstream thing is something that I'm having trouble comprehending. So what are you saying? You're happy to be cool? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't say that it necessarily makes me happy. I'm definitely happy for the fans. It's just an adjustment. I mean, when you write something on the Warriors and find that there's a much greater interest than just you know just your fan base. I mean, when I was you know when I was writing for Real GM on the Warriors originally, it didn't it didn't seem like I was getting much traction you know outside of the Bay Area or transplants. But now it's a much bigger world that is into this team cool for me because people don't look at me uh, like I'm quite so crazy when I say that I write about the Golden State Warriors. There's actually some glint of recognition uh, about what I'm talking about. Uh, but it's also cool, I think, for the players. Uh, it's really nice to see a deserving group of, of guys like this one break out and have their moment. Uh, they worked hard. They played the right way. They really earned, I think, their accomplishments, and to see the NBA highlight them and promote them and for them to catch on nationally is just really rewarding. I think the fans can feel like they were in on the ground floor for that, and, and they get to watch those players really grow and emerge as some of the best in the NBA. And I don't think I don't think that's uh, automatic either, like for every, every championship team. Uh, I mean, the Spurs have had a difficult time finding – such traction, even though amongst basketball people, they're regarded as, you know, a great team and such a pleasure to watch, uh, you know, but 
said Draymond Green was was on the jersey list, and he's you know at best the you know the the, the third most known guy on the team. I, I don't know who how many people can remember the third most known guy on the Dallas Mavericks that won the title. You know, I think there's something uniquely attractive about these specific Warriors and the way they play, and I think a lot of it starts with Steph Curry because he kind of already had a national appeal. Uh, and, you know, his game is so you know, attractive to a casual fan that I think the Warriors, you know, are just cool to watch. There, there's a level of, uh, of, of, of pop culture swag they have that I think has captivated, you know, this nation. And I, I think that's unique to this team, too. I don't think every championship, if Houston wins, like Patrick Beverly won't be a star because of it. You know, meanwhile, Draymond Green is a star, so. I feel like it's something about this team that makes people want to see them, uh, that makes it uh, fun to watch. And, and even though it's not one of the, the traditional powers like a, a Chicago, Miami, L.A., Boston, not many quote-unquote small market teams could win a title and captivate the basketball audience like this team has. Yeah, that's a really good point. And one of the ways that I've thought about that, and it was a nice juxtaposition in the finals itself, is that I think Curry, not only is he entertaining just in the way that he shoots and he dribbles, I mean, his handle has gotten so much better during his time in Oakland, but that he's a player that is more casually identifiable. Like LeBron James is a wonderful player. I mean, I, I've watched him since he, since we were both sophomores in high school and, but he's such a, he, I call him the freak of freaks because he's, you know, he's six, nine built like, you know, like a Carl Malone, but the fat, one of the fastest guys in the league, Curry is more of a kind of more of a normal build. He's an amazing athlete. And I think people still gain appreciation for that, but you can connect more with him because he doesn't, he doesn't look like that, you know, that tr- stereotypical, just professional athlete. And I think people connect with that. I was just going to say this team looks like they're having a lot of fun out there. And I think that that was attractive for casual fans. You look at Curry play, you look at Spades play, you look at Green, those guys, they just look like they're enjoying playing with each other and that they found a real connection that you get uh, from being on a good team as a, a collective whole. Uh, and I think that that uh, comes across uh, and the fans latch onto that. You know, I think the Warriors, I think they relate because, you know, so much of their game, especially with Curry and Clay, uh, is centered on shooting and Unlike dunking, right? Unlike power basketball and posting, like everybody can relate to shooting and to making the shot. Yeah, I don't care who you are. Uh, when you get on the court, you can be, you can, you know, get your Clay Thompson on because it's really just a matter of making the shot and you might miss the first 30, but when you make one in that way, you can connect with Curry and Clay. You know, I remember the same thing about about Chris Mullen back in the day, because you know, you know how when you were kids and and everybody would uh pick that, you know, you had your player who when you were playing hoop, you would go to the hole and you would scream Jordan or whatever. But you know, I couldn't dunk, I didn't have handles. But you know what? I could make a shot. So Chris Mullen was my guy because whenever I made a shot, I was at least genuinely mimicking, you know, this guy. And it's much harder to relate to LeBron in that way because he's such a freak. And I don't, I mean, unless the court's six feet, I won't be able to do what he does. You know, unless, <laughs> unless I'm playing against seven year olds, I can't do what Shaq does. You know, I can't do, like, there's no time in my basketball playing where I'm going to feel connected with Kobe. But with Curry, if I hit a three, I'm Steph Curry in that moment. You know, and I think people relate to that. People relate to Mari Spates 
who's really just hitting free throws. And I mean, in a sense, he's hitting the mid-range pull-up. <laughs> and, and you know, we can relate to getting hot and hitting four in a row on any level. I think there's, you know, because they're they shoot so well, because it's so centered on shooting, you know, kids can go outside and say, "I'm about to be Steph Curry." And and that one shot that they accidentally make from 25 feet, they actually get to be Curry in that moment. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good way of thinking about it, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens because while this was a team that you know they were a league pass favorite and things like that, Adam talked earlier about the idea of you know how they're going to defend the title, but for me it's also an adjustment to how it's going to be with the spotlight on them. I'm assuming they're going to get a lot more national TV attention and things like that, though they got a fair amount this past year. But just to be one of the teams in that conversation, I mean, I think most people think right now that the top three teams in the league in terms of talent are the Cavs, the Spurs, and the Warriors. And considering the the national markets are sometimes reticent to put the Spurs in it, I think the Warriors are going to be the team in the Pacific time zone, also because the Clippers fell off, and that's going to be an adjustment too. Yeah, I'm really worried about, you know, guys like Draymond Green who are really shy and who don't like having a camera in front of them and can't really relate to the public. So hey, if flow, the Warriors yeah. are going to be the marquee <laughs> team. Yeah, it, it, I'm really worried he's just going to fold and it's going to be the end of Draymond. You know, we won't we won't see him anymore. It'll be too much pressure for him. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that the Warriors really grew into this. They're ready for it. Uh, they're going to be happy to be a marquee team. They know that they're going to have a target on their back. And it's a it's an interesting situation because while they are up there in the discussion among the best teams, as they should be because they're champions, I think a lot of people are going to say this is going to be the Cavs' year, this is going to be the Spurs' year. And so the Warriors are going to have that same chip on their shoulder, that same underdog element coming back as defending champions, which is kind of an interesting place for them to be, but fitting for this group of guys. I think people have missed the fact that this isn't a one-year deal. I mean, if you're outside looking in, I get it. You- you don't watch this team, but this wasn't a flash in the pan. I mean, this has been building. Uh, obviously, they skipped a step or two, but if you look at the progression of this team, this is where they were headed. So it makes sense that they were able to handle some of the situations that they had been in before because they naturally handled the one before that. You know, it's like jumping from a, a middle school to college. I mean, that might be tough, but... If you handled high school, uh, it ain't gonna be that tough. So I feel like they've 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 done the thing where they've become the playoff team, and they've done the thing where they you know go on the road and win a tough playoff game and you know, make the second round, and, you know. And now they won a title. So the next step is to to be able to handle this burden. And so it's not like they're just jumping out of nowhere and now they have to assume this burden. They've been preparing for this throughout this whole process. And this is the natural, natural next step. So for me, it wouldn't make sense for them to not handle this step after handling all the other ones. Uh, I mean, you look at the core players. I mean, they've played 60 games, 60 playoff games together. They've been on the road. They've been on, you know, ABC, you know, Christmas games. They've done that together. So I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't be able to do this one. Yeah, just in terms of skipping a step, I think the best argument for them skipping a step is that they won their first trip to the finals. That you look at the team yeah, and yeah, able absolutely. to pull that off, and it's a pretty short list. And so, if anything, that just means that they're more ready for what comes next, that they were able to skip the uh, getting so nervous and cr- crumbling under the pressure that you can't pull off the final win. They did that. So they should have all the confidence in the world going into this season. 
would one of the things that I've been thinking about in the last couple of weeks is that just as a basketball, and you've been doing a lot of thinking, just so you know. Yeah, of course, you know, you know, but we <laughs> hey, so it's women's World Cup. Can you stop thinking about basketball so much? I watched the women's you World Cup. That Harley was, Lloyd. That was awesome. That was really. I, I played. I'm much better at soccer than I am at basketball. But so we've never gotten a Warriors Thunder playoff series. And we got Warriors Spurs, and that was, you know, the early one in the run that I think was a very underrated factor in shaping this team. I, it would be disappointing to me if we didn't see those with those teams in something like their similar form in the next couple of years. I mean, I, I would have wanted to see it the year they played the Clippers. I, I think that would have been great, just because the Warriors weren't as good as they are defensively. So, uh you know, Russ would have gotten off and Durant would have gotten off and I think Curry would have relished that. I thought I thought we were gonna see that. Wasn't that the same year they hit they played, uh they hit like two game winners, Iguodala hit one and then Westbrook hit one, whatever yeah. year that was. Yeah, that was the same that was that was, was twenty fourteen, yeah. That would have that would have been an amazing series. Yeah, that, and the Warriors were the projection was they were gonna be eight and Oklahoma City won, right? And then the Warriors ended up getting six seed. I, I wanted to see that series then because I felt like the Warriors would have upset them, uh, even though, you know, Oklahoma City was a 60-win team. So I feel like we're going to see that series. I mean, we can see that series. I think Oklahoma City is going to be really good. But I think that moment might have passed. Well, uh, if we do end up seeing it, I just wonder whether it'll be like the uh, Warriors-Nuggets series where – Iguodala plays the Warriors, sees the team that they have, the environment that they've created, and it becomes something attractive uh, with all the cap machinations going on in the background and the Durant rumors swirling. It would be pretty interesting to see those two teams square up against each other. You don't think, you don't think Kevin Durant's already looking at this? Yeah, I think oh, he, sure he has is. to be. He's been looking at it for a while. Yeah. And I know I know uh, he's, a, he's publicly vouched for Russell Westbrook, but I just wonder, like, looking at, you know, having played with Westbrook and looking at playing, you know, what it's like to play next to Curry, if that's enticing to him, you know, to play next to uh, a more amenable star. I wonder if that's, if he's like, man, I, I could play with a guy like that after having dealt with the Russell Westbrook experience for several years. And conceptually, if he were to be interested in that, it's something the Warriors could make happen. I mean, financially, they they have a lot of money on the books for next year, even with you know what what's been going on today. Well, that actually doesn't really affect next year very much. But they, if they need to move off, off offload a few guys, that's not going to be an issue at all. Even if it's not, even if they want to keep their core together, it should be pretty doable. Well, Bogut and Iguodala are coming off the books that year, right? Right. Or they'll be expiring that year. Yeah, they'll be expiring. Year, so. Yeah, they they can do it. I, I'm not I'm not convinced. I mean, I would I would like to find out if Kevin Durant has an interest. I would think he does. Uh, but then also, I think one of the re- things we're seeing this off season is uh, it's, it's probably a pretty intimidating environment to come in knowing that uh, you might not get shots and and you're watching quote unquote stars not play very much. We're watching states get off one game and sit the next. Just like when you come to the Warriors, you already know you're making a sacrifice when you walk through the door. And I wonder if that's not as appealing, you know, to to free agents out there. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, I wonder if Kevin Durant looks the other side and say, "Hey, man, they got they got Curry and Clay. 
you know, I'm going to have to take, you know, I'm going to at least have to come back to the uh, a little bit. And is that not appealing? Because otherwise, why aren't these guys, why, why isn't Bellinelli with the Warriors right now? I mean, if, if it really was about, you know, winning. <laughs> well, because he just got overpaid by the Kings, but. <laughs> but you yeah, he did get West, overpaid. West supposedly turned down. Yeah, West more supposedly money. turned out more money from the Warriors to go to the Spurs. And Marcus, I think you reported that today. That yeah, uh, yeah. That you know he's probably looking for a fixed spot in a rotation and not to play the Spates role where he could get twenty-five one game and then sit the next. I think that's going to be. I think that's a a unique challenge for a team that's so loaded. I think that's a, a pretty Spursian challenge too. And I wonder if that's going to affect a guy like Kevin Durant. If you got Curry and Clay, I mean, it's been him and Westbrook, and Ibaka gets, you know, the crumbs. But you come to the Warriors, th- those guys got to get shots too. So uh, I wonder, I wonder if that's a deterrent. And I, I don't think it's nothing. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's not a deterrent for Durant, but it feels like it's it's been a deterrent this off season. Yeah, I definitely think that there are certain people that it would would turn off, but in a way it works as kind of a selection mechanism because I think if you know that going in, then you're going to get the people who will work in it better. And so it basically it's kind of like Durant knows what he's getting into if he wanted to join this team. And so you wouldn't have to do that adjustment of, oh, you know, this is going to be my team now, you you hope. I mean, if that, of course, if that came fast or somebody else, you know, it doesn't have to be Durant. It could be somebody else. That It's not going to be Anthony Davis. We know that. But... The, but the idea that now there there can't be that expectation of oh you know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna change the culture of this team no single person can do that anymore. Yeah, you know, I just I guess it's a natural weeding out process. Like you almost you almost eliminate the head cases off the bat because the head cases wouldn't even want to come. Like they're not going to sign because you're going to have to take less money unless you're Kevin Durant. You're going to have to give up shots, and you might have to give up minutes. So it might be, you know, uh, a natural exclusionary process to make sure the locker room stays where it needs to stay, you know, harmonious and uh, and, and all together. And that that's a new revelation because before, you know, you had to, a guy came with some baggage. The Warriors just had to take him and deal with the baggage. But now they can say, you know what, you cl- you, you're telling on yourself by – not wanting this, so you know maybe it's good that you don't come. So let's let's move a little bit uh, towards the current team. the The big news of the day is that the Warriors have traded David Lee to the Boston Celtics for Gerald Wallace, presumably largely for the luxury tax benefits. And there there are two potential ways that could work out. But how are you feeling about that kind of part of this process? It feels like they dodged a bit of a bullet. There was a lot of talk uh, around the draft about needing to package an asset to get rid of Lee's contract, and the, the Warriors didn't do that. They waited to see how free agency played out. There was a moment in free agency where it looked like someone might end up striking out altogether and having enough cap space just to absorb Lee, uh, which would have been a dream scenario for the Warriors. Uh, they didn't quite get that, but to able to to be able to offload him for a contract that's going to do less damage that they can stretch potentially, it's a pretty good solution. It, it frees up money later on. It doesn't hamstring the team uh, past this season. So Myers, I think, has to be pretty happy. 
Yeah, I've been very intrigued with the, some of the things that we've been hearing about that they're not intending to stretch him. Not because I think Gerald Wallace has a use for this team, especially if a guy like Kevon Looney needs a little bit of time to get right physically and just to adjust the NBA. You don't want you don't want to ask a rookie to play a, a meaningful role in a title contender, but stretching him just makes a lot of financial sense. But I guess the downside is that it does put a little bit of money on the cap for the next two years. And given what we were just talking about, that does make make some of those machinations a little bit more difficult. So here's a, a cap question for you. When does the stretch decision need to be made? Uh, Aug- the end of August. Tax purposes? The end of August. Okay. So, they, so they don't get so, yeah, the benefit they, of part yeah. of the year. Yeah, they don't get the year, but they still have a little bit of time to wait and see. So you can figure out whether Looney's going to be healthy this year, whether he's going to need some sort of uh, extended absence to get his body right. You can see if he looks like he's going to have the skills to be an immediate contributor or whether you're going to need a vet around to possibly fill up some time. And you can search to see whether there's some way you can potentially flip Wallace for someone who's a better fit for the team. I don't know whether Wallace has the physical ability to play with this team right now. He played such limited minutes with the Celtics last year, but they were also a rebuilding team looking to give young guys opportunities. So you you have time to evaluate your options. Uh, you already saved some money by flipping 15 for 10 in the salaries. So the Warriors are in a good position. They don't have to make any rash decisions. I was a little bit surprised because uh, early on in the process, I, the the leave for Wallace thing had been in my head for a while, but the Celtics have added so many pieces that kind of, they don't necessarily duplicate Lee, but they fit in that I was I was surprised that they decided to make this move without, it appears, without really any sweeteners. Well, I I think that it may go back to Lee's reputation that he was able to build with the Warriors as being a really good locker room guy, somebody who can help transition a young team into a more mature, winning, uh, highly competitive team. He has a chance now to play that same veteran role with a young Celtics team. They have a lot of young talent. They have more assets in the future. They're going to have a chance to develop them and it's an asset to have a guy like Lee who you know isn't going to be a problem in the locker room who will help bring the young guys along so it'll be a plus for them I think that there's an advantage in getting him even if he's not going to be a big contributor on the court for the Celtics. Were you surprised as I was that they decided to tender a qualifying offer to Kuzmich and not to Holiday? I expected the Holiday uh, offer wasn't going to be there just because I think he'll get better money elsewhere so there was probably no reason to tie up base with a qualifying offer there. Uh, The Kuzmich one did surprise me a little bit, but you see flashes where they want to try to preserve their flexibility with him as long as possible to see if he turns into something. Uh, He he has some awareness and some fluidity uh, that occasionally leads you to believe that he could be an NBA player, and I think they're just trying to ride that out as long as possible to see whether he'll mature into somebody who can contribute. Yeah, and on the physical talent note, I mean, he's somebody. I think you were you were with me at the time that I actually saw him hit a couple threes during warmups in the finals, and I was just. I, he apparently does that during practice. Normally, I don't cover practices for the most part, but that not saying oh he's going to start doing that in games. He's not the next Anthony Davis, but he does have a, a degree of physical talent that if they can figure out a way to translate it on the court, would be a very useful depth big for a team that is looking for that. Yeah, he, he's a skilled player. He's cheap. And as long as they can keep him on deals that aren't going to be a major cap hit, you want to give players like that as much time to develop as possible. And you're exactly right. You're you're kind of planning for a post-Bogut world 
Uh, Azili is obviously the, the number one factor in that world, but if you could get Kuzmich to slide into the Azili role to be the backup, then you, you have your big men for the future lined up there. Uh, so you got to try to play that out and see if you can make it work. Uh, last question that I can think of right now is, isn't it amazing that, like, when we were thinking about when the Curry when the Curry signing happened, when he agreed to that extension, you know, everybody thought it was justifiable with risk and all that, that in many ways him being that bargain helped facilitate this entire team happening. Yeah, you, you go back to, you know, a lot of people are calling it luck, but I think you also have to give credit to the front office that that was one of the moves that really indicated that the adults were in charge for the Warriors, that they were making smart strategic positions, looking at risk-reward, evaluating the situation. And you put your finger on it, so much of the good development of this team uh, spins off from that in terms of being able to add pieces, re-sign players, make all the numbers work. Somebody, Bob Myers, the people working with him, Joe Lakeup, whoever you want to give credit to, somebody was thinking a few steps ahead and really kind of putting together the puzzle for how this team could play out. So, yes, they, they, they did kind of have the fortuitous situation of getting Curry when his value was at its absolute lowest. But they also played this pretty smart, and I think that the front office deserves credit for assembling a really deep, talented, high-quality team with a bunch of pieces that fit together. And they have the benefit of doing that with, you know, as the cap expands, it might work out that they can add some more pieces. We'll have to see how how they go because there's going to be more unrestricted free agency. But they should be able to extend this run for a little bit as long as they have some similar good fortune to what they've had so far. Yeah, and that's clearly the objective in the moves this offseason. They want to bring everybody back who's essential, but beyond that, they're just doing no harm. They don't want to lock in for marginal players who are going to be on the cap long term. They want to try to maximize the space for when the cap goes up. Well, thank you so much for taking time. It's a pleasure talking to you. Great to talk to you as always. Thanks. Thanks again to Marcus and Adam for taking the time to come on. You can read Marcus Thompson at the Bay Area News Group, and you can follow him on Twitter at Thompson Scribe. That's T H O M P S O N S C R I B E. And Adam Lordson writes the Fast Break blog for the San Jose Mercury News, and you can follow him on Twitter at GSW Fast Break. That's GSW F-A-S-T B-R-E-A-K. Well, I loved having both of them on. Um, also, if you want to listen to the podcast I did with Dan Feldman, that was I think was very good too. That was about the first week of free agency, and that will be on the Real Jam Radio as well. If you have any feedback, feel free to reach out. My Twitter handle is Danny LaRue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. My email is daniel.larue at realgm.com. I read everything. I respond to as much as I can, and I appreciate all of it. Should have some other fun stuff coming up in the future. Also, you can. I would really appreciate if you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. If you rate it, rating it, it really helps us in terms of getting sponsorships and everything like that. And um, you can do the same for the Dunked On podcast, which I'm frequently on with Nate Duncan. That's doing really well as well. And it, I wrote a piece actually on the David Lee trade for the Sporting News talking purely about the financial aspects of it. So you can check that out as well. And I just started a Facebook page, um, which I will link to on my Twitter bio. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day.
One of the best things about Randall's is all the friendly and helpful people. And now, Randall's is looking for more great employees just like you. That's right. All Randall's stores are now hiring friendly new faces to join their team. Ages 16 and up can apply today. If you or someone you know is looking for a job with flexible schedules, great benefits, career advancement opportunities, and even scholarships, then have them stop by the nearest Randall's store for more details. Randall's, it's just better.